Dr. Cheryl Field-Smith is co-founder of Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars. She is an associate professor in the Department of Educational Theory and Practice at the University of Georgia. She is the most prolific researcher focused on Black families who homeschool in the United States. She is author of numerous articles on homeschooling and author of Exploring Single Black Mothers' Resistance Through Homeschooling. Welcome everyone to our October Tea Talk. We are talking today about homeschooling without fear. Very important topic that came from our teaching that was held this past um, July. And what we're talking about here is how to homeschool without fearing you're going to mess up your children or that you're, that you're going to do something wrong. Um, that anxiety that is very common, especially for beginning um, home educators. But I imagine it, it's sort of like um, it can come and go. So we'll talk about, we're going to be talking about that today. So grateful to have five wonderful panelists who we're going to have them introduce themselves to you, tell them who you are, and then what is your connection to this topic of homeschooling without fear? And let's start with, um, let's start with Mika. Dr. Sorry, Dr. Mika Williams Johnson. <laughs> well, thank you, but just Mika is fine. Uh, and I'm gonna start off by saying I'm starstruck at this moment, simply in awe to be uh, here and honored with uh, this group because I watched you guys at the teaching and was just so amazed, so encouraged. And felt like, man, I could do anything just by listening to your <laughs> stories. So uh, I had some vicarious experiences living through you. So this is my um, first year, actually, homeschooling. And we started due to coronavirus. But uh, I've been um, working with homeschoolers since 2000. Uh, as I was a teacher in Fulton County, Georgia, for some years. And uh, worked with a group of homeschool parents who uh, wanted somebody to collaborate with them and teach their students um, different math topics. And so we worked on different um, uh, skills for a, a small group of students. And then I just kind of got engaged and enthralled by the whole experience uh, of it all, just uh, watching the, the families enjoy the freedom of not having to uh, abide by any type of uh, state um, obligations and assessments and whatever, unless they wanted to. And then there were times where they, you know, of course needed portfolios and we did, uh, you know, assist with uh, providing evidence and portfolios when students were moving from a homeschool uh, setting to college. But other than that, that's been my experience. And I have uh, been able to work with homeschoolers and test or do surveys, collect data on efficacy belief, and have had an awesome time working with Cheryl um, before I was one of her graduate students and, and did part of that for my dissertation. And so just continue to be um, so, I guess, uh, excited about what families are doing to find other viable options to educate their children for excellence or find excellence in education. Thank you. Great. Malika? Well, hello, everybody. My name is Malika Diggs. I have two daughters, 13 and 15. They've never attended school. We tried and we failed upon entry. 
<laughs> and the failing was a blessing. And since then, we have been on this journey and we have been through many, many iterations. It's always evolving. And that fear is something that I don't necessarily am with, that I'm necessarily without. I work within the fear. That's a really good, we need to unpack that some more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, Nicole. So hi everyone, I am Nicole Kennedy Green and I live in Maryland, just outside of Washington, DC. Um, this is my 15th year homeschooling. My children also have never been to school. I have a 19 year old college sophomore who I homeschool K to 12. I have a 16 year old um, high school junior and a 14 year old high school freshman. So we are almost done. Like the light at the end of the tunnel is making itself uh, very yes. well known. Um, but we are in these years where everything is so nerve wracking because we're working on getting everybody ready to go to college. And um, so I, I um, identify with the need to be reassured that we can do this without fear. In addition to homeschooling my own children, we've lived in several, we move a lot. And so we've lived in a few, few different states where we've homeschooled uh, since homeschooling. And um, I'm here in Maryland. I am the uh, co-director of a um, tutorial, which is um, that word here describes a model that some people kind of know as co-op and there's another other name, umbrella schools in different places. But the difference between a co-op in Maryland and a tutorial in Maryland is that here parents um, pay tuition and there's their students go to class two, sometimes three days a week to take classes with teachers that they that we've hired. Um, we're usually hosted at a church or something. And so I'm the co-director of an elementary level one that actually goes uh, K to eight this year because of COVID. We were one to six, then we grew to seven. And this year we added eight and by by demand to kindergarten. Um, and then I also teach English classes on a high school level at another tutorial similar. And the difference between that and a co-op is that most co-ops are mostly uh, in this area are mostly um, enrichment. We have, we have to, by state mandate, do art, music, and PE. So mostly co-ops have art, music, PE, maybe some science experiments. But in the tutorials, we tend to teach the core subjects that are necessary, um, math, social studies, science, um, English and usually on high school level, maybe a foreign language or another elective. Um, in addition to that, in the last few years or so, um, as I once we um, after founding the elementary level tutorial, we found that a lot of families need support as they're getting started. So I have drilled down into my niche with regards to in being an influencer in the community. Um, I am my specialty, I guess I would say, or my niche is getting, helping families get started. And finally this year, over the summer, I, I um, was able to launch my first book, um, Homeschool 101, Chart the Course, Enjoy the Journey. And so on the flyer, I'm listed as an author because I wrote that book and basically it's a really quick read to help families think about what their, um, you know, do the, do the hard work of thinking about family mission and vision statements, how do we get started, what does the law say in my state, what kind of learners do I have, that kind of thing. So getting started is what I help parents do. And so in addition to the book, um, I also have a, a homeschool consulting business. And so that's my connection 
to this topic, helping families get started so we can get, you know, get off to a good start and enjoy the journey as we go. And every stage I'm learning, I guess we'll unpack this later too, Cheryl, but every stage I'm learning is like starting over again, right? There's so many considerations at every stage. So it's help. my job is to help families know how to start where you are and move on to that next place, to the next place, to the next place. Okay. I've just been told that they can't see us. So oh. let me see. I know we're recording. So let, we're going to keep going. I'm, so I'm behind the scenes here working on that. Jade, okay. you want to go next? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, so hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jade Weatherington, and I am moving into my sixth year of homeschooling. My daughter just turned 12. Um, and it actually started, I was working as a public school teacher, and she had some issues in her school where she was supposed to be accelerated to the next grade. The teacher um, made a comment during the conference that I had to keep, I had to push for this conference um, with admin and with superintendent about the whole process of having her accelerated. And the teacher's comment was, I know what to do to hold children back. I don't know what to do to accelerate them. And I walked out of the room. I had to take a whole moment to gather myself and think about why do I have my child in this school, in this system where I became a educator because I thought I could make some significant changes and she got frustrated she came home one day and she's like why can't you just homeschool me I was like okay I will um and I had to figure out how to do that I was already teaching online and I was also working in the school so I had this side job as a supplement and then it became this has to become the full-time job so that I can take my daughter out of this system and home educate her so we spent almost two years world schooling where we were traveling and then we spent another year road schooling not a full year because the pandemic happened um but we were traveling by van and as I was documenting our travels and our world schooling our homeschooling I had so many people reaching out to me saying well how do I do this I'm not a school teacher I'm I'm not going to be able to do this I'm not a teacher I'm not an educator and so I guess my connection to this topic, I'm always telling like, you don't have to have a formal education in education to be an educator. Everything you do with your child is going to be a learning opportunity. So um, I kind of became like an advocate without trying to and pushing Brown families to take their children out of this system that wasn't really made for them. So that is how my journey in homeschooling started because my daughter came home and demanded that I take her out of school and I listened. Wow. wow. That is, that's amazing. <laughs> okay. And Kaina, did I pronounce that right? With your, um, on your mute. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Kenna Clemens. Kenna, Kenna. Okay. Yes. Hi. Okay. Hi. So, I'm Kenna Clemens, and um, I am the owner of Giamme Quote Studio and the co-founder of Children of the Sun Classical Homeschool Intentional Community. And my husband, George, and I have homeschooled our children. We have seven children we've homeschooled for 25 years, and um, we have three currently in college, and we have three that have graduated, and we have one that we're currently homeschooling. And so I kind of think of myself as an empty nester because uh, we have a, a Pan-African community here in Washington, D.C. that we homeschool with. And so my baby, Kiari, 
is uh, a village kid. And so she's not home a lot. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, I always thought I would be very, very sad. I, I am sad a lot because my children are gone. Um, and I do want them home. Um, so I, I do cry a lot, honestly, these days. Um, and so moms, you can expect that. It's another stage. It's another phase. But the tears dry up real quick. And then, you know, you get excited because you have a new phase of your life where you can devote to mom and you can do the things that mom wants to do. And so it's just it's been a joy for my husband and I. And um, I think um, some of my uh, fears, of course, like most uh, homeschooling moms and dads, because my dad, my husband was very much a part of our homeschooling. So I don't want to leave the dad out. But I think a lot of our fear stems from our insecurities within ourselves as to whether we're going to be enough for our children. Um, and, and then we compare ourselves with uh, the public school system. And so my wisdom that um, I have uh, learned and gleaned over the years is that because I am their mother, because God made me the co-creator for them, everything that I need to homeschool my children is within me. And for that, which I don't have, God will supply the lack through other moms and other homeschooling families who have that specialty. Just give me a sign when it's time for me to, and so the, with that, how do we do that? Uh, when my children were younger, uh, the older ones, my oldest is 28, so they're 28, 26, 24 and then it got really bad it was three in a row they're like 21 20 and 19 um and so we used to uh as i said you know our community we would we would rely on the strengths of the other people other moms in the community who had those strengths so my strength is uh history so i would teach history i'm not strong in in math or sciences so other moms would teach those so that's my, my wisdom is to just um, the fire. Uh, the last thing I want to say is that Dr. William Johnson, I believe, mentioned the fire. And the fire is very, very important in homeschooling. We call it the freedom in real education. And that is how, uh, that's how my husband and I have homeschooled, that there's no fear and there's freedom in real education. Um, and so that's, that's sort of been my mantra for the 25 years that we've been homeschooled. No fear. That's good. <laughs> um, so we, we are not actually streaming at this moment, but we're going to keep going and hopefully we can get it fixed. Um, but let me um, continue the conversation by asking, there's some things I want you to unpack, but let's so Kenna, you said there's no fear, but there, some people do feel, especially when they're starting up this anxiety. I know um, even as a mom, it's not unusual to feel um, nervous or anxious about the challenge of raising a child. And then if you layer on to that, that you're taking ownership of the education of that child, there has to be some concerns that you have. And so what would you say that the concerns are that people, you know, let's just acknowledge that it isn't, um, that there is fear, that there, and maybe fear is a strong word. Maybe, you know, maybe it's um, just concern or, or, but, but people have constantly said 
that they feel fear, fear that they're going to break yes. your child, fear that, you know, yes. what are those concerns and, and um, what are some strategies to address them? Oh, fear is the natural human response to everything. And certainly I had a lot of fears and a lot of insecurities. And when I say no fear, I'm, I'm speaking the no mo. I'm speaking those things that aren't as though they are. And I'm manifesting the no fear with my with my words, but certainly I was so fearful. Some of the things that I feared were failure, that my children were not going to meet the state standards, um, that I was inadequate as a teacher, um, and that I, I just wasn't enough for them. And what I found out in the journey is that um, because my kids, all of them ended up graduating one year earlier, uh, graduating high school one year early and actually starting college a year early and going in with one year under their belts that if you focus on life skills the academics will come that is the lesson because we had seven children honestly there were days when there was no schooling done quote quote but we learned math because the oldest child had to make the pancakes and we sang while we made the pancakes and we learned rhyme and rhythm and math. And then of course, being a quilter, they, I taught them all how to quilt. So they learned geometry, geometry through quilting. Mm -hmm. And I have a son, I have six daughters and I have one son. And my son was just hired by Capital One as one of their new premier um, coders. And honest to God, I stopped schooling Jossie officially when he was about seven. Because we had created a lifestyle of homeschooling, there was really no need for me to just, I mean, we did formal lessons, don't get me wrong, but we just sort of went with the flow. We went with what God presented to us on that day. And it has served us very well. It may not be the style for everyone else, but that was my style. And so I think just to end the answer, the question is that, we can remember uh, the sacred text, one of them that says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. Mm -hmm. And when we operate in fear, we know that that's from the enemy mm -hmm. or from forces that are designed to prevent us from achieving and, and walking in God's divine purpose for us. So when the fear comes, do a pranayama breath, take a deep breath, get that tequila. I got my little cup right here too. You know, get you whatever it takes to to get you right um, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and um, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Very good. Very you know, good. Sure, I, I discovered too that when I'm talking to other parents and I, other moms especially, and I hear myself reflected in them, it is almost always a comparison to another family, another child, another system, somebody's book, you know, that, that, creates so much fear in us because we don't, we can't, we don't think we can live up to whatever that thing is. And what I've learned is that my life is not the plumb line for anyone else's life, nor is anyone else's life the plumb line for me. So I'm not spending all my time trying to line up to what other people are doing. And here lately in our house, you know, um, I am finding that I, I have to even, cons uh, cons 
control myself from fearing that the two that I have left to go may not do as well as the one who's gone. So um, my daughter, who's um, night, she'll be 20 in February, um, is was a very is very creative was a, uh, a excellent gifted creative writer went on to art school um but she applied to six colleges got it and all test optional she has this really um, bad attitude about what she is and is not going to do which people who know me will say that came really really natural but she was not doing standardized tests she wasn't going to be bothered with anything that was biased against her from the beginning and decided she wasn't doing that you know all built up on her shoulders about all the stuff she wasn't going to do did really really well every school she applied to her minimal scholarship was 34 34,000 over four years and I'm not saying any of that to brag because all of that was her, right? That's and, right. Amy, yeah, that's right. It was her thing. And 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 then she chose a school she went to. And she, I mean, she's there. She's rocking it out, doing really well, maintaining her scholarship, living on her own. We just moved her back into the city that she's going to school at last weekend because she needs to be independent. You know, they got their own apartment. But these boys in here, <laughs> that's a whole different animal in this other room right here than that firstborn female. And I'm worried that I'm not, I don't know, I, am I giving them what I gave her? Am I, I'm worried. I, I, when I think about them, I think I need to be able to shoot you as an arrow in a specific direction or, you know, I, I'm not, and, I, and this, I had to say to myself just yesterday, which is what brought this to mind, just yesterday I had to remind myself, they are not her and their path is different. And their steps, though also ordered, are ordered differently. And they're going to be okay, even if we don't know what they're going to be okay doing until they get through a couple years of community college. Like, I don't know what they're doing, right? So maybe we're not having great big send-off parties and all that for them because that's not their path. But the fear of even not being able to achieve from one child to the next is very real. And I think it's a, a lot of times it comes from a comparison. If we, if we, if we focus on who we are and what our family is doing, allow our, our homeschooling to be an extension of our parenting. Right. And just like, like Kenna was saying, it, you know, it's just, it's a natural thing. Just let it happen naturally. Um, even from one child to the next, the, the fear um, can, will fall away when we, when we, try not to compare. Um, I, one expression I'm going to share, then I'll stop talking on this, um, something that I, I think I said it in my book. I've said it to other families. I, I say it all the time. I say it even to people who are not even talking about homeschooling. Comparison is the thief of joy. And so we can have joy and be excited about something and love it and feel like we're doing well until we take our eyes off of what we're doing and look to the side and see someone else and what they're doing is completely different. And then we get stuck in that comparison situation. You know, I, I mean, I, I could say my glasses are super cute. And then I look at Malik and I'm like, mm, I thought my glasses were super cute. till I saw her glass, you know, <laughs> we ought not do that to ourselves. And, and moms do it terrible. We do it horribly awful to ourselves. And then when you just mix in this thing with the kids, it just gets to be a mess. So, you know, my, my one big piece of advice with regards to fear is don't compare. Don't compare yourself. If you can, if you can adjust yourself in such a way that you are not comparing yourself to others, yeah. um, then you you will find some of that fear will melt away. 
That's a great, great point. We are now live. I am so sorry for those that have been waiting for us. I don't know why it took so long, but I can see we're on live, um, on Facebook now. So, um, so we know not to compare ourselves <laughs> to anyone else. <laughs> right, right. Really to not to move into the fear, but to do what you have to do to keep moving through the fear. Um, and we haven't heard from uh, Jade and Mika and Malika. So either one of you want to speak up? <laughs> I can share. Okay. Um, I, what resonated with me from, with everything that you all have said so far is really about that comparison component because comparison is how most of us and how we're raised to understand ourselves is from a place of comparison. Whether it's parenting and you see those books, what should a child know by X age? For me, the word should invites comparison because should to whom? And who's creating these benchmarks? And for my journey, that was a lot of the questioning. Yes, there was so much fear that many parents, parents experience, whether it's you don't feel qualified to do this or you don't feel like it's something that's affordable or attainable or sustainable. All of those fears show up. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're wanting really to deeply question this, then for me, what I personally had to do was question where the root of my anxiety, my fear was stemming from. And every time I would go into my little space, I would find myself thinking about people and things outside of myself. So I'm thinking about how is our decision for our family going to impact the people in my lives? How will we be treated? Uh, do I really wanna handle those questions? Do I even feel comfortable answering the question of what is unschooling? Because our family, we're unschoolers and that homeschooling brings a load of questions and a boatload of <laughs> judgment cloaked in questions. Um, and unschooling does the same thing and even on a higher level because they just look at the words and they're like unschooling. It's dumb. It's Lord of the Flies. It's this. It's that. And for our family, liberation does not mean a loss of respect. It does not mean a loss of accountability and community. It's inclusive of that. And for our family, in fact, it takes much more to consider all of the voices in your space to connect with your young people outside of the typical parent-child relationship where we do have comparison there, where parents, we can be really good at placing, hmm, being oppressive to our young people um, because we have been raised in such damaging ways or traumatic ways. And we just grow to, you're not a kid, so you're not valuable enough, or you don't know enough because you are a kid. So even for me and the parenting, the intersections between parenting and education and race just go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So our focus was really about liberation, like fully as much as we could to question what's being placed in front of us. Do we care about SATs? It's out there, but why is it something that I need to lead my entire house by? Why do I have to bring these extensions of generational harm into my home when I'm already carrying trauma of my own that I have to settle with. But now I'm bringing in all these outside forces from the social spheres, from cultural spheres, from all these places. Mm -hmm. For me, those are all moments that I can create forks in the road 
to deviate myself away from considering and really feeling through where I'm at, where our family is at. I don't care how any other young person is doing. I don't care how, whatever the method. And when I say I don't care what any other young person is doing, what I mean by that is how they learn. Mm -hmm. However they learn. We have young people learning geometry through quilting. We have young people who are understanding math through making pancakes. However it works is what you need for your family. There is no, there are six beautiful beings on this page right now. And I know that all of us embrace and engage this work from a different perspective. If it's working for you, kudos. That's the focus for me. And that's the focus that I carry in my work. And this work, that fear is what pushed me to create Eclectic Learning Network, which is the company that I founded uh, six years ago this month. And it's all about supporting families, groups, folks who are watching through this process, because it's really easy to find like the wiki how to homeschooling. You're going to find a gambit of things, just like going clothes shopping. Y'all, it ain't but like four or five things you can walk out of there with. The store is three floors high, right? But there's only a certain amount of things that you can truly walk out with. My job is to focus on supporting you in that and owning whatever that is, but really owning it because sometimes we get caught up in you're comfortable with it, but you're not necessarily comfortable articulating it because you're afraid of being judged. Jade or Mika? Yeah. Um, I guess I would just add to that, like the whole idea about fear. Um, is some process that I personally had to go through. I had to de-school. So my whole idea about education was you go to school, you pass this test, you accelerate, you go to the next grade. And I went to school to become a teacher. And they taught me about all these standards. And I get into the workforce as a teacher and I'm like, you know, some of these standards aren't going to be met by people. And I know what type of learner I am. I was able to easily pass classes I struggled with because I knew how to do what the teacher wanted me to do. I knew how to provide them with what they wanted, but I wasn't necessarily mastering or learning the material. So when my daughter, like I said, stomped her foot and told me she needs to be homeschooled, I had to, first I set school up in home, still this whole system that I was against. Here I am, here's your desk, here's your notebooks. This is how we're going to do it. It didn't work for either one of us. So we stopped. And that's why I said our first year when we were world schooling, I never sat down and officially did work with her. But if I sat down and asked her questions, her ability to comprehend and to analyze and to explain things to me, I was just like, you, you were listening. So you actually picked something up from that. And I had to learn how she learned. And I had to learn how I learned. I had to learn how I teach. So we do what works best for us. And then teaching online, most of the families I work with are homeschool. I do have a small group of families that I teach that their children go to like traditional public schools. They come to me for additional um, services because I teach ELA, but I'll get messages from parents every now and then. Like, I think I'm failing. I'm going to send them back to school. And my question is always, what is your why? Why did you decide to homeschool? And if you focus on that and you remember why you decide to homeschool, it's going to, it, for me, it recharges me. So I've never considered sending her back to school. If someone asked my wife, well, why would I do that? And then I'll ask them like, tell me, your best moment in school. Tell me one thing that you remember standing out. What was the one thing you loved about school? 
and they're speechless. They, they're like, um, um, I'm like, tell me the worst thing that ever happened to you in school. What's the most traumatizing thing that ever happened to you in school? And they start running down a list of things. So I'm like, this is where you want to send your child though. I'm like, you can't tell me a good thing, but you have a full list of trauma that happened because you were placed in this system. So for me, it was de-schooling and then not caring about the standards. Um, as Malika just said, who created those standards? Like whose standards do I want my child to live up to? And also standards are average. I want an extraordinary child. I don't want an ordinary child. So I always say, if you fear it, like when you feel that fear, ask yourself why, why did you start this process of homeschooling? And also with comparison, it's hard. Try not to do it. But when, when you're reading an article about the 14-year-old who just started college with a full scholarship, I'm like, yeah, nope, that's not my baby. She's not going to start college at 14. I know she's not. It, she's capable of having conversations with adults and analyzing things at a higher level, but she's my baby and she likes to do stuff that little girls still like to do. So she's not going to fit in that type of environment. And I'm okay with that. And if she goes to college when she's older, whatever works for her is going to work for me. So um, not that whole idea about fear is just not focusing on those standards. And then if you are focused on those standards, ask yourself who created those standards that you're trying to live up to. And they, and like you said, they are average. I even yeah. tell that to the teachers I teach, you know, these were, these standards reflect the bare minimum of what you should teach in a year with your students. Yeah. So no, we shouldn't be living up to that. <laughs> but I, I think more importantly, what I keep hearing too is that you're, you should be listening to and looking at your own child mm -hmm. and not even comparing your child that you're homeschooling to other homeschoolers. Cause I've heard homeschoolers doing that too, right? Just mm -hmm. look at your child for what your child is capable of and interested in and able and wanting to do. I think, you know, that is freedom, but sometimes freedom is scary, right? Maybe that's part of it. I, I don't know. Mika, do you have any thoughts for us? Sure. Yeah, I would just add that I, I had to ask myself several questions um, before going into this. So I, everything that you guys said, 100, I feel it 100%. And I ask myself daily, am I capable of actually doing this? But I bring myself back to those questions. You know, what does this freedom mean to me? What is my liberation pedagogy here? How is, it, how is that coming across? And what does academic excellence look like to me? Not anybody else, but I, I'm the person who sets the stage here. So what does it look like to me? And how is it that I can create a pathway for my kids to get there? And that's at the bottom line, that's all I'm trying to really achieve. But again, I'm, I'm, while I, I'm not totally new to the concept of homeschooling, I'm just really getting my feet wet and learning how my kids actually learn best, like the best, the, the best time of day to really work with them on, on challenging material. I'm, st I'm still learning some of those things. And they are just they, they, um, we have our great days and I'm totally amazed by them. And we're having some days where I'm like, now you should know this by now. Now what, what is really going on? So it is, it is, we're working through it, but I think that's all part of the process. And so I just kind of create these particular questions for myself 
And once I'm able to really think through those things, I think I feel I'm a little more encouraged and I feel um, more confident in what I'm doing and the decisions that I'm making and making sure that my, my kids are on solid ground. Um, can I jump in for a second, Cheryl? I wanted to say, Mika, you just brought a thought to my mind. Um, so as you know, in the spring, you know, we were all responding to COVID. So that was like emergency escape from a, a burning house school, right? And so then as you know, we, we hoped that the school districts were kind of getting themselves together and figuring it all out over the summer and that the COVID schooling or virtual schooling would be different in the, in the fall. You know, I, I, I'm very active on Maryland Homeschoolers, which is a Facebook group for local you know, homeschoolers in Maryland. And one of the things that um, parents are saying now is, well, where do I get started and how do I know and, you know, um, what to do next and what to do next? And the, the teachers seem to have this all figured out. And, and a mom, I, don't, I think she got kind of mad at me when I just, I, and I, I, I taught kindergarten professionally before I had my own kids. So I'm, I'm not anti-teacher. Like I'm, I'm all, it's all good. It's just not my choice, you know? Um, but what I said to her was, you have to remember, and I don't mean, when I say this, let me prelude this by saying, I don't mean don't care as if they go to school for the check. They go to work for the check. Nobody comes into education to get paid. That's not, nobody makes money doing this. But what I meant was, she, what she asked was, how do the teachers know what, when, when is his best time of day? How do the teachers know exactly what thing is going to help him catch on to it? And, I, and she said, I don't know all of that. And I said, but your, your child was one of 27 his teachers don't know. They don't know what's his best time of day. They don't know. They don't know because they have 27 other three third graders. They don't care about that. All they care about is getting their job. Like not don't, you know what I'm saying? They not don't care is in a non-caring way, but they can't be bothered with that. So don't beat yourself up thinking when you abdicated your child's education to another educator, she had it all worked out and had it all figured out. And somehow that bachelor's of arts and education gave her all the answers. They, it did not. So we don't have to fear. It's just like when you bring your baby home for the first time, the first baby, right? And you look at him and go, mm. <laughs> I don't care how much you babysat. Nothing prepares you for being the one in charge. Nothing prepares you for sleep training and for making sure they latch and for knowing whether it's gas or hunger or sleep or wet. Nothing prepares you for that, right? It's, and I say it's the same thing. This, this, this thing, this homeschooling is an extension of our parenting. And you know what, Mika, you and everybody else out there who has the same thoughts because they're new to this, you're going to learn you know, so I'm just as an encouragement to you. You're going to learn that just as soon as you get your finger on it, somebody's going to have a growth spurt. Somebody's going to hit puberty. Somebody's going to get on the other side of puberty. Somebody's going to start liking girls and get bored. You're going to have a pandemic and then everybody's going to be depressed. So much happens that changes this game from year to year that every year is a, okay, what we're working with now. Yes. <laughs> every, year, every year is that because yeah, they yeah. change. It's not like the third grade teacher who walks into this year's classroom, creating it the same way last year's classroom, working with the, her lesson plans that are bent and, you know, all written in and all. It's, it, that's not what this is. This is a dynamic, organic, ever-growing, and ever-changing enterprise. And if we go into it expecting it to be a specific kind of thing, we're going to be fearful all the time. But you, you got to love your kids and know that yes. you are the 
You are the mama for these babies. Whether you gave birth to them, you married their daddy, and that's how they got to be your kids. You found them on the porch. You picked them. I don't care where you got them from. You are their mama. You are prepared and ready for this. And do your thing. And, I, and I, I'm saying this last thing. I'm going to stop talking. One, one way, ladies, and, and everyone else watching, one way to safeguard yourself from fear is, is, is just think about, sisters, uh, think about the, what you do when you, you know, we used to, we would go out together, right? So I don't know if y'all were partiers or whatever. I went to HBCU, but there are some rules, right? We go together, we leave together. If anybody in this joint is going to the bathroom, we all go into the bathroom. We watch each other's drink. We watch each other's kids. All those things, all those rules apply to any kind of relationship. You build a village around yourself and your children. You put yourselves in safe environments, and that way you build, you have less to fear because you have some Support. So what I'm what I'm advocating, and I, and I, I just use that example because I just saw that on Facebook somewhere. But what I'm what I'm saying, what I'm what I'm suggesting is the best way, or to one one of the best ways to kind of make fears get away from you and to fall off is to build support around yourself. Virtually, it's been hard because we can't necessarily be together. But do whatever you can do to build a village. Join a Facebook group. Hook up mm -hmm. with some mamas. Call some. Find somebody to build, and it it, it keeps you safe because we insulate ourselves that way we're not going to compare we're just going to support and it also helps your kids a whole lot because one thing brown babies do is they feel weird when they find themselves as the only one sometimes but when they get to see others just like them when they're not the only chip in the cookie when they're not the only one who's doing it this way you know they begin to feel comfortable and they themselves also feel safer right because they have a village so we got to build some support around ourselves so that that's the other thing when you have your girls with you you can do it right so find yourself a village right wow. here in this group <laughs> you know? can i hop on to that that was powerful can i may i please because y'all yeah. y'all got me on fire now we talk about the fire the freedom and real education no fear yeah. Yeah. i want to share a poem and i'm not even gonna analyze it i'm just gonna let the poem speak for itself Okay. This poem is by Khalil Gibran. It's my husband's favorite poem. He, he, he introduced this poem to me years ago. And a woman who held a babe against her bosom said, speak to us of children. And he said, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You mamas, we daddies are the bows from which your, our children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let 
your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Ashe? Amen. We meditate on that one for a while. I wanted to share that um, because we are just the bows from which our children are sent out as arrows by the divine spirit. So their destiny and their path is already predestined. And if we are in tune with spirit, then we will know what the divine spirit is saying that our children need. Does that mean that there's going to be no fear? Does that mean that we're always going to get everything right? No, because one of the most important lessons that I have learned as a homeschooling mom of 25 years of seven children is that homeschooling is for me. God chose me to homeschool my children, but through his transcendent glory, I have been perfected in him because I'm not the same Kenna that I was 25 years ago. And you want to talk about life challenges. One day I'll tell my story, but I told God I would tell it everywhere I went. I'm a ruptured brain aneurysm survivor. You want to throw a monkey in your wrench in your homeschooling, wake up one day and almost die. Okay, when because your brain almost explodes, and and then you have how you go homeschool your kids around now? You got one, get ready to go to college, and you got one three years old. Mm. Community is important because I had a ruptured brain aneurysm in 2009 out of nowhere. Ladies came home with the family one day, sat down, and next thing I know, the lights went out, and justice was demanding payment for my sins. And God's mercy said, no, not today. And for three days, my life laid in balance. And God said that I heard your prayers. Your, my grace is sufficient for you. And I woke up and I saw my husband and I said, what on earth is going on? And my daughter was in 12th grade. She was getting ready to go to college. And I, I God healed me and I, I got myself together and and everything went on. And so here we are now. So whatever mamas, your hurdles are, you have the strength, you have the power, everything that you need to homeschool your children is within you. And if you don't have it, go find it. Ashe? Ashe. Oh, come on. Ashe. Yes. Oh my goodness. And that is one of my very favorite homes. I love Khalil Gibran. Yes. Like that is one of my very favorite. Thank you so much. Yes. 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 And I'm honored to be here with all of you. Um, Malika Diggs, all of you are just inspiring me. And um, right now, you know, sometimes everybody's going through COVID, everybody's got their struggles. And um you know, we just we just got to encourage each other and we got to stay together and we can't let little things divide us um, because we in this, you know, for the for the long haul, mm -hmm. because we're trying to raise up another generation of children is seven years before for generational curses and seven years. 
years after. And right now, what our what the our children are special, they have been called and we've been blessed to homeschool our children. But most of the children out there in the public school systems, and I have a stepchild child who is caught up in the industrial prison complex. So we can talk about that on another on another uh, uh, time. So it's real for what these children are going through in the public school system. And the last thing I'm going to say is that um, we have the answers if we look to our Black scholars, Dr. Asa Hilliard, Dr. Uh, John Henry Clark, um, Dr. Jacob Carruthers, uh, uh, Francis Cress Welsing. They've all given us the answers. We do not have to recreate it. We have the blueprint for academic excellence, for Black excellence. All we have to do is come together and be like-minded and make up our minds that we're going to do this thing. And honestly, we don't have a choice as African-American people. Because if you haven't noticed, we are absolutely being annihilated off of the planet. And if you don't believe me, you can look at what happened in Kemet with the, uh, the um, you know, original Nubian people in Kemet. You don't see them in, in Egypt really now. You see them being persecuted, yeah, down in the South. And so that's happening to us as, as, as African-American and African people. And so we have to be wise and discern the times and stop playing around. And get serious. Yeah, I agree. Um, I see a, a question in our um, chat. Can you talk about how the fear of the child, how to ease a teenager into de-schooling, and how to get independent selves to trust the home teaching when they've been used to a more structured school environment? It's coming from Antonita Austin. So the fear, like if our children have fears. Yeah, I can, I can say something to that. Um, hey, Tony, I know who this person is who put up that chat. Uh, peace, sis. Um, child, listen, and everybody, if, if you know me, I, I just like to keep it real, right? This is the whole de-schooling journey, right? I have a meetup, it's called de-schooling is a thing. We meet monthly. And it's for all parents who are sorting through all of this. And we touch on these topics that come up. We touch on, we may be ready, but our children are not, right? But look how long it took us. Mm -hmm. We have, some people say that there's a formula for de-schooling. I highly disagree with that because we are human beings. We are ever growing and shifting. And just when our young people have it, like someone said earlier, the growth spurt hits some, like as soon as you get a rhythm, there is some wrench that shows up. And I kind of replaced that wrench with an invitation to expand. Instead of me encountering those moments where I'm challenged, I look at these as growth moments. And it helps me shake away from a fixed mindset and transition into a growth mindset because we all get fixed in those things. But for teens who are resistant, Look how resistant we were at this. Look how many times, like in the very beginning, right? And if you've been doing it for a minute, you kind of forget in a way and you just kind of go with it and you forget how you arrived to where you are. But that beginning part was nerve wracking. You wanted to know the why. You wanted to know the how. You wanted to know the when and the where. 
all of that for a young person, especially mm -hmm. a teen who's really just cultivating that autonomy and, and empowerment to be able to own their value and worth, they have to feel through it. We kind of look at school or schooling as something where you're not allowed to hurt or even give yourself permission to not know. But in this case, if we're really talking about liberation and learning outside of the narrative of whiteness, you have the whole lane to sort through that. And even if it is uncomfortable, what I said earlier in the very beginning is that I still carry fear. I just work on walking with it and mm -hmm. not repelling it. If I'm sensing mm -hmm. fear, if I'm feeling triggered, instead of me trying to either deflect or try and find something to kind of soothe that, I feel it. I, I just mm -hmm. put myself in that position because then I'm spending more time and I'm mad at myself because I'm mad, not at the thing itself. Do you know what I'm saying? So for a team, allow your team to just express, express what it is that has really, that makes it challenging. Do the comparison. What are some things about in-person school or wherever they went, brick and mortar school that they really appreciated? And then things that they can do. What are the avenues that they can touch now that they couldn't tap into before? And that list may be really difficult right now because it's the pandemic, but that also for me is another invitation to delve into the, de the depths of creativity because we've all had to be creative, especially right now, and we've all had it in us. And school, it's, it really hasn't been around for a very long time compared to the history of our existence, right? School is a fairly new concept. What we are talking about here in all of its forms is what we've always done. This is us reclaiming who we are. This is a part of our culture. This is how we rolled. So sometimes liberation, yes, we seek it, but sometimes we're trying to seek it from the external. And sometimes it's just, are we liberating ourselves to think outside of what we've grown conditioned to? It sounds like part of that fear is a signal that we need to unlearn some of the things that we have been taught that have been wrong for us mm -hmm. from the get-go. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can I, may I say something at this point? Um, education is liberation. That's pretty powerful. And um, that's resonating with me um, because for uh, my family, we did not always teach from an African center. Uh, and we didn't know that we were actually doing harm to our children because we weren't giving them the whole truth. We were and some of it wasn't even really true what we were giving them. And, and so we actually, it was an awakening and it was like a renaissance for us, but it wasn't something that I sought. It just happened by divine purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm happy to hear that there are others who see education as a liberating tool for our children. Um, and, and it is liberating because I, I will just give you an example. My uh, daughter Kai is a senior at Kent um, University in Ohio. And like I said, she graduated from uh, our homeschool one year early. She's majoring in Pan-African studies. 
and she's been selected to be in a doctoral program and she hasn't even gotten her degree undergraduate. It's like a McNair Scholars Program, but she's majoring in Pan-African Studies. And so that lets me know that we did something right because she's majoring in psychology and Pan-African Studies. Um, and so that lets me know that not necessarily that we did something right, but that that she's on her course, you know, that God has chosen for her and that we are we're just the vessels to 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 foster that and facilitate that. So if, if parents could just remember that and then I think it will it, the fear will go away and, and they'll have some comfort. Mm -hmm. We have only about four minutes left. Um, there is one more question from the chat. And that is how to build community. How do we build that village that would be necessary to help us um, with this? I can kind of speak on that real short, real briefly. Um, so when I started homeschooling my daughter, we were in Georgia, tons of homeschool programs. I had her in all the programs. Where was I dropping her off? Where was I picking people <laughs> up? And then we went back to Minnesota for a year and the homeschool groups were not homeschool groups that I would put my child in. I'm not explaining. I'm not educating. I'm not doing that with people. And um, Nicole, I'm still in that saying that she said, I'm not going to make my daughter the only chip in the cookie. So um, I posted in a Facebook group and I kept posting. I kept posting. I kept posting until enough of us said, hey, let's get together. So Minnesota now has the Black Homeschoolers with Swag Homeschool Group. Um, and they just celebrated their year. So yeah. if you have to go and search out those people, find them and just keep it going. Even if it's two of you, even if it's only three of you, eventually it's going to build. Um, and for the mom who has the team who's giving the pushback, help her find that community. She's going to need that just as much as we as the parents need it. We can't do it all on our own. So find the community, find that group of people. And that's really what's also going to help fuel you to keep on going. And um, yeah, if it's not there, build it. Yes, it's a lot of work, but everything's a lot of work. So if it's not there, build it. Yes. There's, um, there's a, if you build it, they'll come, right? You know that expression, <laughs> if you build it, they'll come. You're, you're never the only one looking for it, ever. I, I, I found you're never the only one, somebody else out there wishing they had you do. And so you got to do just what Jay did. And, I, and Cheryl, if I can just advertise really quickly, there is a group on Facebook called, this group that we're in, that we're broadcasting in is a good place to find your tribe. There's lots of us, you just have to find us, right? African-American homeschool moms is a homeschool group. There are thousands of us. Just reach out, find somebody. And you know what you do? Get on there and say, hey, I'm the only chip in this cookie in Idaho. I, I'm assuming black folks live in Idaho. I need y'all to find me because you, you're not the only one, right? right so right. find your tribe. Right. But you have, like, just like Jane said, it's a lot of work, but you, if you build it, I promise you, sister, because mm -hmm. I've done it. If you build it, others will come. Right. There's, a, there's another question that um, I could see being a source of fear for some parents. And the question is, how do we make sure we are totally prepared when they are in high school? We don't have much room for error. You can't. There is no such thing. And I mean that, and I get it. Like that's, for me, that taps into the schoolishness that we've adopted over time of figuring out what, how much is enough. Mm -hmm. And what is prepared. Eight, right, K through 12, shambles right now post-secondary shambles right now 
there is the education is the one area that we've grown accustomed to never changing. Mm. This pandemic right now proves that that system, not only has it was, was it established through harm, it was never going to be sustainable. And this moment in time proves that. Mm -hmm. So if that is something of that, that trigger, that pinch to keep nagging at yourself that says, am I going to be enough? Is this enough? Will they be prepared? Then I say, prepared for what? Right. What are we preparing for? <laughs> we, we kind of go into this world of nebulousness. Think about it. When, you, when we first have our young people, as soon as they're born, how many of us thought about what does college look like? We skipped 17 years of their existence. We're not thinking about them at all. We're thinking about what we want for them. Well-intentioned, but as the poem articulated, they came from us, but they are not ours. Gosh, okay, yes. It's such a powerful place to, um, actually we're yes. at five o'clock. Um, I just want to thank you all. This is such a wonderful um, discussion that uh, we need to continue. Um, Absolutely. We have really, but we, you all have provided some, some steps in the right direction, I have no doubt, and, un, and you revealed some pathways for people to think about in terms of homeschooling without fear and how to think about that fear itself. So I thank you all and um, can I say good night or good evening? <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Yes. And um, thank you, everyone. In November. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you all it's so been much. Phenomenal. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Very Bye. encouraging. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Good seeing you all. Thank you. Bye.